0: Cycle.
1: Cycle. Welcome to the Godly Manhood Podcast, where we seek to encourage men to consider how they can grow in godliness as men, husbands, and fathers by sustaining themselves with God's word and applying it in their lives daily. My name is Emery Phipps. My name
0: is Travis Kelsey, and this is the Godly Manhood Podcast. I'm so sick. <laughs>
1: I'm sick of the Chiefs, first
0: off. Okay, fine. Fine, be a hater. And you know, you know what, Emery? Every I'm,
1: time I saw that dude during the Super Bowl,
0: yeah, I saw your ugly mug. Yeah, and I was like, dude, You're darn right, Brian. I've never met a hater doing better than me.
2: They literally look nothing alike.
0: You guys look yeah. like nothing alike. Hey, yeah, right, bro. Whatever. You're just mad because you look like Jason Kelsey.
2: I heard t- you look like their mother. That. You look like their mom. His outfit for the Super Bowl was fantastic. Carla Kelsey. I am gonna say that.
1: You look like their mom.
0: (laughs) How's that? How's that for a godly manhood podcast? Very rude. Godly men talk trash this week on the godly manhood podcast. Godly men
1: tell your mama jokes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, whatever, dude. You look like Travis Bickle. Taxi driver. Uh, (laughs) Nobody? Okay. (laughs) I tried. It was a reach. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, we got a lot, we got a lot to cover tonight. Um, and I'm I'm kind of fired up about it. We're we're sort of kicking around ideas. And it's something that is, like, just crucial to any category of of being a disciple. You have to really have a heart for reaching lost people um, and, and evangelism and then what that turns into in discipleship and making disciples and all these things. And, you know, this is, like, categorically involved in, like, every episode of this in some degree or another. Yeah. Yeah. But we've and we've talked about it, Grace Friends, on this this podcast before. Our church talks about Grace Friends quite a bit. We have a fun acronym there for that. But just sort of like identifying people in your life who are unbelievers, that that you see, uh, that that need the gospel, and how you go about getting there to share that with them. But you know, I don't know. I th- I just think about all the times that I wish I would have shared the gospel that I didn't. Uh, all the very cool times I've had where I did share the gospel with people. And it never, by the way, is as scary or terrible as you think it's going to be before you do it, you know? Um, but I don't know. Do, are there people you guys think of like who are just naturally really good at it or who do it a lot?
1: Jonathan Newman.
0: Yeah. That guy. I, I think I told it on here before I was buying like breaks at advanced auto parts and I ran into him I'm like, Hey, how are you? He's like, great. I just shared the gospel with this customer in the checkout line. And I'm like, Oh, cool. He's coming to church Sunday. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like, you know, they have those things called master classes. Like, I can pay $300 and my kid can learn how to dribble from uh, Steph Curry. Very great. <laughs> but, like, Jonathan, I think he could teach a master. Somebody just following him around with the phone and just watching interactions just with random people. Yeah. Be like, man, dude. And I think you'd say, like,
0: it's so easy. Just turn the conversation
1: to oh, Jesus. Why Why is it such a struggle sometimes? It's so scared.
0: easy. Because we're scared. and We yeah. don't want people to hate us, or we don't want people to make fun of us, or we don't want people to think we're weird.
1: Do you think it's because we think we'll mess up them getting saved?
0: That's not my problem with it. My problem with it is like, uh, I want people to like me, and it's embarrassing.
1: What would you say, generally speaking, believe people who profess to be Christians worry about Do they know what to say? Do they—
0: I have heard that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That like, oh, what if I don't—I don't know the Bible well enough.
1: So Norm, during our men's advance, he did uh, like a—not a quiz, but like a survey. Yeah. Had like eight eight questions on it. It was like—if I remember right, it was kind of like along the lines of like, hey, what keeps you from sharing the gospel? And I think a whole lot of people, there was fear, but then there was also like, don't know what to say.
0: Yeah. And as godly men, we've done episodes on going to church and reading your Bible and all these things— You should be doing everything in your power to erase that from your list because that is completely in your control. Knowing what to say to somebody means having a competency in God's word and being good at explaining it to people. Mm. And that comes with practice, reading, rereading, and reading again the Bible and and telling it to somebody. It's not hard. And and you should, well, I tell you what, for some folks, it might be hard. The bravery aspect of it that may never go away, right? Yeah. The fear, the anxiety, the anxiousness, but the genuine, like, I don't know how to say the gospel, you could knock that out in an hour of practice. Yep. Write it out, work on it with somebody, have your wife listen and you pitch it to her. By the way, she's probably going to think that's very handsome of you. To, oh, yeah, to work on with her, definitely. Yeah, I don't know. What about you guys? I mean, I don't know. Do you guys like, do, do you have anybody in your life that you think of other than Jonathan who's like really good at? T- telling the gospel to people?
2: Outside of people in this room? Sure. So I think my daughter, Santa, every other day she's coming home telling me about, she's told somebody about Jesus. Oh, good. She she may not be sharing the gospel like we would, but it's on her mind all the time, which is super, awesome. super refreshing. From the here. mouth of babes. And then and my wife, and she is absolutely a come-to-church lady. I don't know how often she actually Succeeds. tries to make disciples. Oh, I see. But but she is trying to get people involved in the church and and knowing Jesus,
0: yeah. All the time, I think of Caitlin a lot in that regard. She she definitely inviting people always yeah. and being of that mind. And I think the thing that Caitlin does well is when she sees people hurting, in particular, mm-hmm. like she's really good at like I have the solution to your problem. Yeah, um, I've heard her recount many times that story.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome.
0: And I'll I'll just for like bring it up because I might forget later. The hardest group of people to share the gospel with, oftentimes, is like your closest friends and family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so hard and because they, some of it might be like, well, they know every dumb thing I've ever done. They're going to look at me as a hypocrite or uh, I still have to have Thanksgiving with them. If they hate me after this, that's going to be weird or whatever. Um, You know, I think that that's super challenging. I don't know though. it's, it's tricky, but I love seeing those people out in the wild who are just like rabid evangelists. Um, Pastor Vic is one of those people. He's uh, an elder at our church. Business owner, layperson, pastor. So by vocational, whatever you want to call it. He doesn't preach, but he's an elder at our church. Uh, Runs a business. His business is centered around evangelizing to his employees. We go to lunch. He asks the waitress how we can pray for her Mm -hmm. by name. He writes it down in front of her. So she knows that he's actually going to do it. It's not just this like, I'm a Christian. You know, don't ask me. I'll tell you. It's like, hey, I'm going to appeal to the God of heaven on your behalf. Carla, nice to meet you. Anything I can pray for you for today? Because we're about to pray. You know, love that. Love Mm -hmm. that. That's awesome. Yeah, just kicking down the door.
1: I've been in places before and done that where they come back, like they'll say no initially. Yeah. And they come back and they're like, you know, actually. Love that. And It's just kind of cool because I never used to do that. There's a guy named, um, so Jerry He passed away about a year ago. He used to do, I think I've talked about God's Great Outdoors on here before. Yes. Um, But he is one that as I was, I met him within about a year of, Really coming out of sin and, and just, you know, repenting of that sin, getting back into church, living the way I should, um, you know, following Christ rightly. And uh, Jerry was—I'd have lunch with him different places as we were prepping to start Center Shot and do some other things, and he, he would always do that. And I'm like, oh, man, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, Jerry what stands out. When I went to his funeral, it was really cool. Um, there's things like—I've been to a couple of funerals lately where I'm like, man— I know I won't see it and won't care, but I hope this is how my funeral is.
0: At a bar? On a yeah, pool table? Yeah. I want my casket on a pool table.
1: Uh, I want a chili cook-off.
0: That's so good. That'd
1: be sweet. That's so good. And yeah. I did tell Karen that if if I have any like, heart-related issues because of my COVID vaccine, I want all the funny COVID memes that I've made making fun <laughs> of that, like blown up on poster boards on easels. I've already given orders to some of my friends. Like, this is totally allowable. I love that you're
0: uh, diabetic in his 40s. You're like, it's probably going to be the vaccine.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's probably going to be hey that. Hey, buddy, you're going to have no toes and it's going to be a long road. <laughs> you're going to be fine. <laughs> hey, whatever, man. Um, but the, <laughs> Sorry, I tickled myself. That's good. Uh, but no, but at Jerry's funeral, there was people, there was a guy who stood up and said, Jerry, share the gospel with me when we worked together. That's awesome. And I came to faith in Christ because of of his boldness. And you know, just man, it's like that to me. So he stands out as a person. No, there's maybe people who are listening and know him or have interacted with him. Uh, man, like, but yeah, he's the one who kind of introduced me to that whole idea of like, oh, hey, ask them if you can pray for him.
0: I love that. My um, at my grandfather's funeral, uh, it was that, and it made it so much more emotional. I gave a eulogy, and it was just like I couldn't get through it anyway. But it was after all these men got up and were like. There are two things that are true about Claude Hare. He he drank more coffee than any human should, and he loved the Lord. And then they would just talk about evangelism, promise keepers, Gideons, men's Bible studies. Uh, if, you know, helping the the disenfranchised, the unfortunate, and poor in the community. I mean, it was just like an hour and a half of mm-hmm. of this like just train of old dudes in brown suits coming That's up awesome. and just talking. And I was just like, man, that and I didn't know ninety percent of this stuff. And, you know, now the Lord has grabbed a hold of me and taken my life a very similar direction. And I'm just like, man, the, the, what a, what a blessing on my life to hear about that, you know? So anyway, but he, he had a heart for that too. It's super cool. And, and I think that the former generations did it with a certain, I don't know, there was like a style to it that we just, you don't see it as much now, a little more street evangelism or a little more uh, boldness just kind of go and, and just pick that up with a stranger. I've had old guys ask me in public strangers. Do you know the good news of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Or are you a Christian? And they want to share the gospel with there me? there
1: was, a, uh, I don't know, the churches I grew up in, there was a night of the week where you went on visitation. So it was bred into the people of your church where like they'd have somebody, I don't even know how they got the list, but like they get people who moved in. I remember when I was a kid, it was always like somebody had typed it on a typewriter, on like a three by five card. And it was like, so they could stick it in the Rolodex later. I don't know what the system was, but it was like, Hey, these people have moved in. This week we're going to their house, and we're going to go knock on their door. We're going to, you know, they have these little Bibles like Gos- Gospel of John's that we're going to give them and just ask them, um, do they know Jesus? And then try to share the gospel with them. And that was like an intentional thing every week at church. Group of guys and ladies rolling in, and you went out.
0: Welcome to the neighborhood. Yeah, like was, here's our church. Just,
1: um, I did that. Um, with my old campus pastor, Scott, like we did that for a while going in when we were getting ready to start our church campus. I'm um, doing that in the neighborhood too, but a little bit different feel to it. Like just how, how can we pray for you today? I um, mean, you know, you just have these conversations with people just opening, opening the door quite literally um, and asking them um, those things. And so I think it was just more culturally within the church culture done more. Yeah, Like you just, it was what you did. It was like. You know, you had Sunday nights were, you know, Sunday morning church, Sunday night church, Wednesday night church or whatever program Bible studies. But then like Tuesday night was visitation and every week, Tuesday night was visitation.
0: It was almost like um, people's lives revolved around their church communities. Weird. Isn't that the best,
1: (laughs) by the way? It's awesome, man. Like People think we're crazy. I get up to do announcements and I'm always like, not every week, but like a lot of times I was like, this is my favorite day of the week. 100%. Like, I love it. I get to go to church. I love coming in there singing. I love all the people. I'm sure some of them are like, "Oh man, this guy is too much. This morning, lay off the coffee." Yeah.
0: And and um, we and we should want to share that with people. Yeah, man, like my my friends at work think I'm like nuts. Like they think we're like kooky cuz of how like into it we are. Like they're like, "You host 50 people at your house every Wednesday. Are you on drugs?" And I'm like, "Yes. The Holy Spirit is my drug." Like <laughs> you don't get it. This is the greatest thing of all time. Like the gospel is the answer to every problem. You need Jesus, you know, anyway. Um Yeah, I totally. And like that old way wasn't all bad. But I think as our culture has moved more and more independent, more and more isolated, Mm -hmm. more and more unilateral, more um, parasocial in relationships, it's just sad. Like we're not doing anything together anymore. And so evangelism died out because as a culture, for you to even tell somebody – that what they're doing is the wrong thing or or that they're on the wrong path or that they need to change something about their life, i.e., find salvation in Christ. Yeah,
1: everyone's being told that, oh, you've got your own personal truth.
0: Oh, boy.
1: No one no one has, there's no objective truth. It's like, oh, it's your truth. This was a hot topic at the Barnes house last night. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh,
0: I'll give you the cliff notes. There's no such thing as your truth. I believe in absolute truth. Yeah. And the absolute truth is I'm a sinner, saved by God's mm-hmm. grace. Anyway, um, yeah, so uh, I I love the evangelistic spirit. I am not good enough at it and I would like to grow in that area. But mm. all roads have sort of been coming back lately to me in the conversations I've been having here is that really the best evangelism is relational evangelism. You know, handing out a tract to somebody, handing somebody a Bible, you know, your heart's in it. It's a it's a it can be the tool that God uses for people to find uh the lord for, by which they come to saving faith in jesus however the best success i've had and you've had and you've had is relational evangelism talking to people that you've built relationships with that you are friends with that it is not only a friendship because you want to oh yeah they're see not projects yeah 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 and wh- i think we hit on that like four or five weeks ago like they're going to know if the only reason you're friends with them is because you want them to come to your church and be saved mm-hmm. so it needs to be a genuine friendship that you are brave enough to be honest in mm-hmm. and tell them what they need to. Know. I think this is a good time to talk about Grace Friends because that acronym is helpful here. Um what does G-R-A-C-E mean in the in the acronym of Grace Friend?
1: So my favorite thing in this story is when I was uh we were starting D groups at the church. What, three three years ago, three plus three discipleship and a
0: half. groups, three to four dudes reading the Bible
1: together. Yeah, so we were starting that, and I remember <laughs> I don't want to dime Norm out, but I asked Norm. I was like, you know, Grace is capitalized. Like you know, all the all the letters are capitalized. Is that an acronym or something? For something? And I remember texting him going, and him saying something like, it is. But let me think about it for a little bit.
0: (laughs) It's hard to remember. And then we had to Google it tonight.
1: Yeah, like even tonight, I'm like, dude, I know I have that written down on one of the pages from our D Group Starter Guide. Like, (laughs) then my printer wouldn't work. So, Grace Friend, G, go spend time with them. R, respond to their needs. A, accept them into your family and friends. You just hit on that. C, care enough to explain the gospel. And E, encourage them to trust Christ. So yeah, it's like grace, friend. We've we've used that word actually a lot, I think, on this podcast for sure um, in the past. So so now that's what it means, people. Grace. yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And and all of it is sacrificial. Because you're going right. You're taking time out of your out of your life, uh, out of your family time, out of whatever. <clears throat> and then you're going to care enough. You're going to be sacrificial of your time. You're going to uh, uh, invite them into your family and friend group. You're going to have an, an extra plate at the dinner table. You're going to think to invite them to the thing. You're going to go get coffee with them. All of it is uh, really geared around a genuine, though, foundational relationship that you have with this person. Mm -hmm. And it can't be, hey, let's get together on Tuesday where I yell at you about how you're going to hell until you repent and believe. That's not how that works at all. Some of it is just, we're shooting pool. We're just going to hang out and whatever. We're going to change oil in the car. We're going to just hang out. And they know that you're a Christian. They know that you know that they're lost because you care enough to share the gospel with them and engage them with it, and you're going to be praying for them and and all of these things, but it, it's a relationship uh and again as as we've mentioned on here before, Christians should not be able to say honestly, I just don't know any lost people yeah that's just not the life that Christians were meant to live mm-hmm. so yeah I don't know have you have you gone through that model have you had grace friends
1: yeah um I didn't know we like So in the past, it wasn't like—I didn't call them grace friends. Like it wasn't past, a project. It, was just, it wasn't like—it wasn't something that—when we. When I came to Quintus, it was one of the—I think one of the first Sunday mornings, Jonathan was like, hey, you know, pray for your grace friend this week. And I'm like, what's a grace friend? Um, But yeah, but in my past, yeah, for sure, people I know who aren't believers who I'm like—but I did it the wrong way for a long time because it was kind of the cultural thing to do. Hey, it was almost like you got to, you know, put this little tick mark on your belt of like, oh, I got— shared the gospel or hey they prayed this prayer so they're good and it was like that was the end like there was nothing else beyond it there was no discipleship beyond it it was like oh they Mm -hmm. prayed the prayer or i told them about jesus it's on them now i don't have any other anything else to do with this and it wasn't the relational things that you're talking about here but it wasn't until a couple of Years, I mean, I spent. I've I've talked about it on here. There was. I spent about two years in a church environment where that was very much like go out on visitation. That's what you did. If you shared the gospel, then you're good. Check the box for the week. That wasn't the way they portrayed it. That was how I viewed it. Um, And then spent years in sin. Came back. um, Got involved in a church. Got admonished by some awesome brothers. You're like, man, you're really messing this up. Um, And then it was like, oh, hey, this relational discipleship thing was new to me. Yeah. I was like, oh, wait, you. We don't treat them as projects. We're not only talking to them to tell them about Jesus. Like, that's not the only reason.
0: Right. Sometimes— Same kind of, It was odd to me, frankly. Sometimes you just have fun with your friends.
1: Yeah, it's weird. And mm-hmm. then it just have its an overflow. Because if you're walking with Christ and you're living this life of faith and repentance, that's going to bear itself out in your conversations. Because you're going to be able to say—somebody says, hey, I'm struggling with this this week. You say, hey, man, you know, I used to struggle with that, or I still struggle with that sometimes, but— you know this is why I don't dwell on it the way I don't beat myself up the way you do yeah. because of this I have I have sorrow over it but it's not the sorrow you're feeling you're feeling guilt my sorrow was godly sorrow and and I it led me to repentance so you can take these conversations really quickly kind of shift them back towards Jesus and the gospel yeah but that's work it is and it's hard to do with people you don't have a relationship with
0: but I think it would help us to remember that it's not about us, and it's really as much as it is about them and wanting to see them uh, have eternal life and escape the condemnation of God, the righteous condemnation of God, it's really about being obedient to and and glorifying God. Um, Because God tells us to do the work of evangelists. He tells us to make disciples. He tells us to go to the nations. He tells us to, to spread the gospel to the four corners of the earth, to the Jew and to the Gentile and to the Samaritan, um, I can't remember if that's in one of these verses up here. Or so are you
1: only doing that because the Bible commands it?
0: I do it because I love people. I do it because I love people. But I think it helps me be more disciplined in it if I remember that God told me to. Mm-hmm. Because I'm really good at doing what's comfortable and what feels good. And it's harder for me sometimes to do things I don't want to do. And so to couch it as like, yeah, but the Lord said to. And he loves it when it happens. Because when a lost person is one to Jesus, the Bible tells us that the angels rejoice over that lost sheep. Mm. So being being brought back into the fold, right? So being brought into the fold, to say it better.
1: We talked about this a couple weeks ago in Life Group, like on a Wednesday night, just talking about this idea of obedience. Like, do we do it only because we're commanded to? And I forget if it was me, somebody, in the we just talked about the idea of there being great joy in being obedient. Yeah. I want, you know, God is my father. Like I, I view it like my kids. My kids are going to do what I what I tell them to do, typically because they want to please me as their dad sure. not because I'm going to punish them but because like oh hey they want that relationship to be one of of happiness in my house it's about 50 50 50 50 yeah go ahead but yeah the uh, but just there's joy in it there's I get joy in doing what god commands me to do not be, and, but and again it's like you said there's love for that person though I'm, i love them enough to tell them yeah and it's it's a it's a, it's a interesting balance, um, in your day-to-day life of doing those things.
0: There's a cool verse in Romans chapter 10. It says, uh, how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in and how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them and how can anyone preach unless they are sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I love that verse. Yeah, that's really neat. I like it. I like it a lot. You know, God, uh, tells us to go be the ones who bring the good news, to be the feet. And, you know, uh, they're, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And so uh, be looking for those opportunities. Don't let it beat you down. Don't talk yourself out of it, all of that. But I want to get to the next part, and unless you guys have more to add on, on Grace, Friends, and sharing the gospel. But I want to talk about like, okay, now what about people who are believers, uh, discipleship, helping people grow, seeing those people? How, how do we invest our lives in believers in a way that helps them grow up to full maturity in Christ or grow in maturity in Christ. And, uh, you know, because that to me is like richness. And, and a thing that I'm passionate about, I've been excited about for years, is just see, taking guys who maybe they're new to the faith or maybe they're just, they've been stagnant a while.
1: Yeah,
0: They're on the, ca- I mean, I had a brother come up to me a couple weeks ago and said, uh, I'm feeling convicted. I need to get off the couch. I've been ignoring the pull for a long time to get in there and lead, And I want to talk to you about that. And I was like, fireworks were going off in my mind. I'm like, yes, brother, let's do it. Don't say it, let's do Uh it. You know what I mean? Like that gets me so fired up because we've done countless episodes on what godly men are to do and who we are to be. All of it is action. Uh Like very little of it is none of it is passive. None of it. none of it. The passive work has been accomplished by Jesus, right? Like I am saved. I was saved. I am saved. The rest of it from here on out is me living a life that glorifies God. I want to know him more. I want to love him more. I want to serve him more. I want to grow other people to love him, know him and serve him more. And so, um,
1: and not so you can be more saved. No, <laughs> an outpouring of your salvation. No, it's, no, no. You're not, it's not like there's some weird point system somewhere. Like, oh, you get closer seats. My sister is currently pregnant. She cannot
0: be more pregnant. That's how salvation works. You are it. And it, that is it. Yeah. You are saved, right? Uh, but you know, the, the analogy really breaks down though, because she will be unpregnant soon. And that's not how salvation works. So that's my bad for a bad analogy. I told you guys, I am terrible at analogies. They are metaphors, they often break down.
1: Well, and you were talking about like next steps from a discipleship and the discipleship, I think for a lot of years in churches specifically, there was like this, you know, hey, what's your baptism numbers? Oof. Mm. No one said, hey, what are you doing to disciple people after baptism yeah. and coming to faith or, Do you know or why? leading up to baptism? It's a hard thing to measure.
0: Yeah. It's hard to be like, I've got 13 men working through the MacArthur uh, Systematic Theology course right now. You know what I mean? It's like a hard thing to quantify. And also, I will just plainly, it's super, super hard work. Yeah, it is hard work. To like make a process, like put together a process for a church to see like, okay, what discipleship track are you on? Well, what are you doing right now to grow in knowledge and understanding of God's word? And so I think uh, corporately, it looks like a robust men's uh Men's ministry and a robust women's ministry, and a lot of things like discipleship groups and life groups, and putting people in positions to lead often who you see in them the potential to lead well. Mm. John MacArthur said that when they the way that their church looks for elders is to have a men's Bible study going all of the time and see who emerges as a mm. leader naturally and are they biblically qualified, right? Yeah. So give men the opportunity to be in positions to lead, and women as well. I, I, this is a manly, godly manhood podcast. Sorry, ladies. 10% of listeners. I was not trying. Yeah, our numbers are growing. Going to, our
1: men, I think, are going up. I
0: was going to say, our, our number of listeners is going up, but our percentage of women listeners is going down. So I think the same number of women are listening, but more people overall, and I think we're drawing in more men. That's and good. It, it might be the title. Could be. I think if we were called the Holy Boys Podcast, this would not happen. The Holy Boys. We can't change it now, man. I don't want to change it. I'm just kidding. It's just a better name. I, I just really
1: ordered am. more stickers. We
0: can't change no, it. No, I, lo- I need some of those stickers because I've promised them to a
1: bunch of people and yeah. I never hand them out. I might right. have some smaller ones over there, but we got some three-inch stickers coming.
0: Oh, nice. Was, okay. Good deal. I want some uh, rear windshield decals that take up the whole rear windshield. sweet. I promised those to several people and I was going to go ahead and install Wait. them when they weren't paying attention.
1: <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> I see where you were going.
0: Like it, maybe like a two and a half foot by like four foot. That'd be sweet, man. I put it
1: over the back of my truck window. Yeah. That'd be Awesome. Yeah. Uh,
0: okay. Back to discipleship. <laughs> Sorry. I real, real. Yeah. That. So,
1: so baptism is kind of like, and it's kind of like this exit out the door. Like, hey, we're going to, got you baptized. Got another one. Good luck. Yeah. Godspeed, Semper Fidelis. Yeah, I know. Um, you that's, know,
0: that's not in the Bible anywhere. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's the
1: Marine Corps. Good luck. Godspeed, Semper Fidelis.
0: What does that mean? Always faithful. Semper Fidelis is always
1: faithful. Yeah. To your God, your country, and your core. In that order? Yeah. Your core, like your belly muscles? No, as you can see, I'm not faithful (laughs) to my core. Uh, But the Marine Corps, C O R P S.
0: Is it, did somebody not know how to spell it or what the, the P is always kind of stumped me.
1: Well, it's a core as in like a group of individuals, like a core.
0: Like a core group? Yeah. Like C O R E.
2: No. The Marines is the farthest thing from a group of individuals.
1: True. <laughs> so, a core. I think, I, I don't know how long, because you guys, Army has core.
0: Yeah, like the Corps of Engineers. Corps of Engineers. Or and yeah, they, like sound, they sound cool. <laughs> Did they kill bin Laden? No. Corps oh, okay. of Engineers? That was a joke. Okay. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, they built a bridge near a pond. Near a pond. Yeah. Anyway. So back to discipleship. <laughs> so um, I have been a part of uh, many awesome discipleship programs. Uh, they have helped me immensely. Many godly men ultimately, though, had a lot more to do with my growth than any program, any class, mm-hmm. any Bible study. So I've had uh, extraordinary men pick me out and and say, "Hey, uh, I see you in you this great capacity to lead or to grow or to do whatever." And almost always, it looked like one-on-one stuff. Mm-hmm. So I love the classes. I love the D group. I love the life. Group. That is essential. Do all of that because I did all that too. Um, but having men who you are spending time with intentionally and you're asking them hard questions about sin, what are you reading? Uh, how are you feeding your soul? Um, are you sharing the gospel with people like being really, really direct, I think Mm -hmm. has really been, uh, important for me and it's challenging and it holds me accountable and it does all these, these kind of things. I mean, who you've had men like that in your life, I'm sure.
1: Oh man. Yeah. The, the one-on-one thing. And then people saying, you know, my, my progression was, a little bit different, I guess, but it was like being in a small group of people who were just really challenging me to study the Bible more because I just felt like an idiot. <laughs>
0: like I You should. probably were. I, I, mean, I mean, genuinely, we all was. Yeah, we all start there. Not only
1: was it, I was an idiot for multiple, multiple reasons, but, the, but it was like figuring out, like, oh, wait, I need to know more here. Yeah. So there was some like, okay, what can I do to grow more? And it was like, oh, there's this men's theology thing on Wednesday nights. And that led to a Bible study, which led to more one-on-one um, interactions with people. But then it let me see the value of it. Of like, wait, not only, it's not work. Like, it's actually hanging out, but we're both going to grow together. We're iron sharpening iron. Yeah. We're, we're, we're together, and we're doing this thing where we're going to grow together. And just having the ability to grow in that environment was so good. And then what that did was like, okay, now I'm with this one-on-one. Like, wait, I want to, I want to, what's discipleship? Like, for me, it was kind of this, that progression of like at our church at the time, there wasn't really a discipleship. I hate using the word program, but there wasn't like a path um, for discipleship. There were just, there were some guys meeting, there wasn't, but there wasn't any like true like discipleship Yeah, where, where we would do either one-on-one or like, you know, groups of three discipleship groups, things like that. So at that point I started like reading a lot about discipleship because I was like, Robbie Gallaty. Ding. Ding. Um, but but started reading a lot of his stuff, listening to um, some of his, reading some of his things on it, reading books, um, trying to figure out what's disciple. What does that even mean? Like, what are we doing when we, when we say this word? Um, and that, that led to me asking the question and just being like, hey, I'm getting some people together and we're just going to do discipleship. And then when I brought that up, I found out that guys like Jim Barger and some others at our church at the time were going to go ahead and start this plan to go through like disciplines of a godly man and that led to three guys um, in a discipleship group um, starting there so we did it a little different than what I was reading but I was like sweet this is awesome and I'll never forget there's a guy um, just a great great man of God who was a great evangelist um, and just spread, shared the gospel with everybody he ran into and just a very happy guy um, I remember him coming out one night and going man this discipleship thing is so good he was like I've been a believer for like 50 years and I've never done this. I've wow. never, and, and so it was the joy he had of like, man, yeah. it was just a cool moment. I didn't have anything to do with it. It was God working in him. I didn't start that there, but it was just another guy in another group coming out about the same time that night from our church after Awanas or whatever. Yeah. And going, oh man, this is so cool. And it just, that frankly just lit a fire in me of like, how do I do this with everybody? Because I'm growing so much here. Uh, and then coming to Coinos, and then you know helping, you know Norm talking to Norm about how can we get this going here, and then getting D groups rolling at our church, and just but it was already instilled here. There was a lot of one-on-one going on. It was just like, okay, how do we how do we get this going at a different level, and just to watch it blossom now to where our women's has got D groups going, and um, there's a whole lot of men. And I, th- I think our D group is like over twenty right now, just discipleship groups of people meeting week to week.
0: That's awesome. Well, and frankly, I mean, men are so bad at friendship in general. I think that discipleship groups, life groups, all of that is is a great platform to kind of develop friendships and make friendships. But like the one-on-one discipleship uh, is where rich friendship can grow quickly. Yeah. And so I would encourage men listening to this. If you don't have – if you can't think in your mind who's discipling me and if you're not a brand-new baby believer – and you can't answer, who am I discipling? Yeah. I take that as a charge this week to like make a couple outbound phone calls or text messages to brothers in the church who who you respect, who you like. And hit them up and just say, look, I'm looking for some discipleship opportunities. Can we get coffee and talk about it? Yep. Don't ask them if they'll disciple you they're off the bat because they're going to probably – some men might hear that and be like, well, I can't disciple you. What do I know? Sometimes it's horizontal. Sometimes it's vertical. So some a lot of discipleship relationships are two men maybe who are in – Similar positions in terms of their maturity in the faith. And they're spurring each other on. Iron sharpens iron, as you mentioned. Other times it's vertical. You're picking a brother who's further up the chain than you are. And he's going to pull you up and disciple you vertically. But reach out to some men. Whoever snaps at the opportunity, take them up on it. Go get coffee and just kind of talk through it. Ask them about their story. Ask to hear their, uh, their um, I want to say ministry. What's the word I'm looking for? Your testimony. Ask them about their testimony. Get to know them figure out how they came to know uh about God's Word or, you know how, how do they read the Bible, figure out these things and then have them uh you know spend some time with you ongoing and then most men who've been believers for any t- amount of time should also be looking for younger men yeah. to, dis- to disciple younger in the faith. they might be older than you, but younger in the faith to spur on to encourage uh and and to walk beside and to make sure that they're uh being honest with themselves about things like sin. Uh, being honest with themselves about why they're not reading the Bible more. Because frankly, as Tom Batty said in my breakout session, I have never once met a guy who says, you know, life's going pretty good. I got one problem though. I just read the Bible too much. <laughs> so like chances are, that's not what you're going to hear, right? And so yeah, be finding those men that you're going to be discipling. Uh, and that is a rich uh, thing for you in your life. I mean, that, that's a two-way benefit. It's mutually beneficial, I guess. Better way to say it. I
1: was thinking of 2 Timothy 2. Um, starts out with uh, verse one. It says, "You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also." And we're talking about these older men, older believers, so more senior believers in the faith, whether they're older by age or not. And we're those guys are going to come into these environments. And, the, and I don't know, you may be listening to this and like, hey, I, like Brian said, I don't think I can do that. You can, and actually, Scripture is commanding us to do those things. If we are people who are more spiritually, our, our spiritual growth is at a better level or a higher level than others. But, but to your point just a minute ago, if I hear some young guy saying, "Man, I don't, I don't know if I'm reading the Bible enough. I don't know if I'm praying enough this week. I'm struggling with this sin this week." The fact of the matter is, I need to be challenged with those questions myself because you know how many weeks I've gone where I'm like, "Man, I'm not really reading my in the Word this week." I'm not praying as much as I should be this week. Hey, I'm struggling with this in this week. So it's just good to have that. Even as someone, if you're like, well, you know, I don't know what I'm going to bring of value to this relationship. You're going to bring a lot and you're going to be challenged a lot because you need to be challenged. You're not too big for your britches when it comes to spiritual growth with another brother in Christ. So
0: I love what you just said there. You're going to bring a lot. Yeah. We are the worst judge of ourselves in our own capacity. Most people uh, think they have nothing to offer. In that regard. And then the other guys on the other end of the spectrum think they have way too much to offer, and uh, they need to be refined in the furnace of mm-hmm. suffering. So bring them too.
1: <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know. I deal with a lot of younger believers in my in my role in our church. and yeah. I, I learn something all the time. I get so excited about Sunday nights where I'm like, I want to hop in. I'm going to learn something. Well, to quote R.C. Sproul. Yeah. Right. Seriously. Like, no joke. I've had to Google some things to, to like remind myself what some words mean here recently with some guys who are just like. It's way
0: more deep of a well than you thought they'd be at their oh, man, young age. So awesome. It's, yeah. it's,
1: it's awesome, man. Like it's just so cool and it's nothing that I'm doing within the student ministry. Mm-hmm. It's all God, just the Holy Spirit working in them, their sanctification. So awesome.
0: You know, it just hit me like a lightning bolt. There, are, there are parents at every church who maybe don't encourage their kids to go to youth. And every parent worries about the kind of kids that their kids hang out with. And if your kid goes to our church and you make them go to youth, they're not going to love everybody there. They're not going to make their lifelong best friends, maybe right away. And maybe it'll be awkward for them. But I can tell you, your kids are going to hang out with the kind of kids who say wild stuff like, uh, well, to quote R.C. Sproul, like, the like, there is such a beauty and a richness in that, and I, I'm just thinking through that. Like, when I was 16 years old, I didn't know anyone who knew who that was, let alone a, a peer who could
1: quote I it. was very active in our youth group. And, man, you know, there's, frankly, the, the guy who was in charge of the student ministry of our church when I first was there, um, where I met Karen, uh, for about the year before she came to the church, man, that guy, horrible individual, should not have been in that role. Um, for multiple reasons, but then we had a guy named John Rabb, who was in the Air Force, an older guy, not older, I guess, at the time. Older
0: I mean, than you were. Older than he was
1: probably about 30. He's, he's
0: 25 <laughs> years younger than you are right now, but
1: <laughs> yeah. he was older than you at the time. Um, but, you know, I'm Facebook friends with him, and I've told him, like, the impact he had on my life, because he was just a good, solid believer who challenged us, and I wasn't a believer at the time, but I was very active in youth group, just because it was, like, somewhere to be. Granted, it was North Pole, Alaska. Yeah. Um, but there was. You know, there was growth happening. There were people pouring into us. And again, you know, you didn't get along with everybody. But I learned a lot of lessons there, life lessons where it's like, and and honestly, like even in our youth group, like I've had some kids be like, well, I just don't get along with this person. I was like, well, guess what? You know, if you're a believer, yeah. Okay, well, guess what? You got to spend eternity with them, dude. You Frank better Sinatra. figure it out now.
0: Hey, Frank Sinatra wrote a song about it. That's life. I mean, that's life. You, will be, you will be around people for the rest of your life. That you don't necessarily fall in love with it, you know what I mean, or that that you love, or that you like being around, or that that is literally life forever. It's okay.
1: And well, especially from a from a believer's from a, from a Christian's perspective. Here you go. God chose that person to be your brother and sister. That's right. You don't get to decide.
0: And this is there's eternal weight to that relationship too. Yeah, like like you don't have to get along and think everything they say is awesome.
1: I mean, I know everyone gets along with me. Everyone sees me coming and they're just like, Oh,
0: it's Emery. That's the guy yes. with the great podcast about he gets us. Yeah, <laughs> He's yeah, got oh, the yeah. best memes. He never offends me with his Facebook posts.
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, but I, I mean, I, I know enough about myself to know that I'm, there are people who like on a Sunday morning, I may be happy to be there, but they're probably like, Oh, here, here he comes.
2: comes. Yeah. Um, for but both
1: that's, of that's okay, man. Like, like, that there's a lot of growth to happen there that you get, you, you get to see like, okay, how do I show grace to this person who really grates on me? Yeah. Um, Cause you have to do that. I mean, that's, I kind of jokingly tell, <laughs> told like a kid I can get away with this with. I'm like, Hey, you know, you annoy me a lot too. Yeah. You annoy me every other week, but guess where I'm at. I guess who I'm talking to right now. Yeah. So suck it up and let's figure out how to deal with this tension that's going on right now. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. Like, just the growth there. I, it's been, it's been encouraged. I learned a lot every week. It's awesome to encourage it. And I got kids coming up going like, oh yeah, I'm helping a, a past student who, who graduated out doing a Bible study on Wednesday nights for our swim swim team. And, um, young ladies coming up going, Hey, can you get someone to lead a Bible study for us? Love Like it. these kids are just so hungry. <laughs> it's, maybe it's because they're not getting enough for me week to week. Like we need more, dude. You're not, but, uh, well,
0: you know what though? I think that that's a, that's a really cool thing to hear because as a parent with kids that are going to be in that youth program in the next few I'm years. I'm retiring before you. Well, retire. okay. But somebody better be in there doing this. You know what I mean? Right. I just love that. I love to hear that. And uh, really though, the, what I know about your, your youth program is that you run it as a disciple making like game. Mm. It's a lot more Bible study, I think, than like uh, anything that I went to as a kid at Youth for Christ. Did you guys have Youth for Christ in your towns where you grew up? Is that a familiar mm. phrase? Never heard of it. Okay. Uh, I don't know what to compare it to. I can say this. It appeared magically in my hometown. It was a giant building that was a gymnasium. It was like brand new. They built it when I was like coming in like junior high. It was a gymnasium. It had video games. It had a kitchen. And it, it was the coolest place. And like every Tuesday night or Wednesday night, they would open up for like two and a half hours and all the junior and senior high kids could come in. So I'm like, it's called Youth for Christ. Okay, cool. I go to church. I'm going to go check this out. My parents were on board because it had Christ in the name. Sick building. Basketball, sweating, playing knockout, playing Mortal Kombat, drinking Kool-Aid. No, it was not in the um, cult sense. Just regular.
2: <laughs> we, we have we have one of these in Tip City. It's just not, that's not what it's called.
0: Well, just hang with me. So I'm in there for like six months. And they're like, we do karate here. And I'm like, I'm signing up for karate. I got a yellow belt. I'm sick. <laughs> and like six months in, I'm like, um, uh, uh, Christ is in the name. Are we going to talk about him at like any point? And they're like, no, we're good. And so I'm like, um, my friend, I was telling my friend, we we're talking about Jesus earlier. Do you have a Bible that I could like open and reference? And i like, no, we don't have any Bibles. I was, like, I was like, okay. So I go to my grandfather, the Gideon, and I'm like, yeah, we get it was a youth for Christ, and then a box like, in the trunk, bro. A We took four boxes of Gideon's Bibles to Youth for Christ. That's awesome. We go in. I'm so like, I feel I'm like 13. I'm feeling so proud, like honoring my grandfather in this way. He's he feels proud. He's like my grandson. He wants to take Bibles into Youth for Christ, and they asked me to put them in the storage closet for them just to help you know unloading. And they never came back out again forever. Were they like, well,
1: we don't do that here.
0: That's exactly how the energy was. And so I, I just say all of that Longborg story about youth for Christ. To hold that up and go, A, I have a yellow belt in karate. Don't mess with me. And number two, uh, karate is – never mind. And number two, that was a bad version of let's offer something in the name of Jesus for young people. Mm-hmm. It's just fun. It's basketball and ice cream and lock-ins. And scarecrow rides in the fall. Or,
1: or the pizza thing that's like so tired when it comes to you, like, oh, just just pizza parties, just come hang out and eat pizza. It's like, well, yeah, that's good. What are we doing on top of that? What are we doing here?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I want to feed your soul. Yeah. Man cannot live on bread alone. Somebody said that one time. I've now. actually
1: told the students that are like, I'll feed you pizza, but that's not what we're doing because I want to feed your soul. Like, yeah. That's what we're here for. Like, yeah. I want to I like to have fun. I'm like a 12-year-old and a 47-year-old body. I love to have a blast. You're only forty-seven. Yeah, I'll be forty-eight in June, man. Whoa, it's crazy.
0: Well, God willing.
1: Yeah, true, <laughs> the diabetes doesn't get me. Um, but yeah, or the pizza that we're gonna eat tomorrow.
2: Praise but God. Yeah, uh,
1: but yeah, so you know the pizza thing where it's like, oh, just come get pizza. But if you're not telling them about Jesus, then what's the point? Right. I mean, it just it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, and thankfully I've ran into a lot of, I just had um, lunch last week with some guys here from our town, from a couple different churches that are like, man, I'm excited that these guys are leading youth in our city. That's so cool. Cause I'm like, this guy gets it. This was like a lunch of youth pastors? Just two, just a couple guys getting together. These guys that I'm developing relationships with from other churches.
0: Did they look more like a youth pastor than you do?
1: No, actually, one guy is like my age. Oh wow! Okay. And then the other guy is uh really young. Like that's his kind of a age, but yeah. About. But he didn't. He did not look. He wasn't like I wouldn't have picked him out of a. He didn't uh, have
0: like the skinny jeans and like the no, up hair and the,
1: and the cool shoes. Okay. Not at all.
0: No disrespect to those guys either, but you know you're doing the Lord's work literally. But um hey,
1: June. I'm you break, look. I'm breaking out my skinny jeans in you, June, man.
0: You look like a retired Marine. You don't look like a youth pastor. That's all I was getting at. A minister of students, rather. That, that's all I was getting at. And so I loved in my head, it was like a Chipotle, like 1130, and it's you with like two gelled up, so tight jeans. Next
1: month, Next month, I'm going to Cedarville for like a day-long like yeah, youth pastor, student minister, youth worker type.
0: It'll be that, you know? won't it? <laughs> Dude, I need you to take me a lot of selfies with like oh a lot man. of background so I can see the other dudes. See the
1: other guys. Yeah, yeah. That was me when I went to Georgia last uh, year with – North American Mission Board, they did a great thing with GenSend, and I went down there for, like, three days, and me and Karen were just laughing because, it's like, there was, like, a group of us that were, like, older. Yeah, yeah. But there was, like, these really young dudes that looked like like hip-hop artists, and I'm like, it's so weird.
0: (laughs) Well, the guy before you at our church, Nathan Cargill, was, like, right out of college when he came in on board, you know? And then when he was in his mid-30s, he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm aging out of retirement. We replaced him with a 47-year-old former Marine.
1: <laughs> he looks so good, too. He, age, I'm going to come out of this looking like Barack Obama's presidency where he came in like young and hip and cool looking. And then the left just looked like an old, broke-down man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> filter caught that
2: one.
0: <laughs> anyway, that's great. Um, yeah. So, anyway, I, I, just think, I just think any godly man should be aiming toward discipleship and evangelism. And that's sort of the the crux of it. And do it as a response to the change that has happened in your soul
1: from the gospel. You should be excited about it. Like, I should—I don't know, man. I look back at when I came into this group of guys that were meeting regularly, and they were so excited every week to talk about what God was doing in their life. And then they were saying, hey, who did you talk to this week? Who are you discipling? Who are you—you know, what are you doing outside of this group with this— stuff that we're learning and talking about working through every week. How are you helping yeah. other people grow? I mean, it was just this excitement that I had not experienced. And to me, I'm like, I want that. Yeah. I mean, I praise God. Like I still have relationship with most of those guys in that group. And I'm hope the other guy, guys sitting behind me at church tomorrow, be singing in my ear, making me feel horrible. About how bad I sing while you lead.
0: Yeah. Let's not talk about me leading worship, please.
1: Um, but yeah, just the excitement of that man. And the, um, I don't know, dude, like it gets, it gets me pumped to encourage other guys to grow in their faith because it's, I I don't know, I feel like sometimes in the church environment, there's like this idea that the men in the church are like these wimpy, passive guys and they're, they're not, I don't know, men, they're not men, I guess, from the outside world, they, they view it that way. But the, uh, but no, man, like there's some of the most manly men I know at church kicking me in my pants every week, encourage me to grow in my faith and walk the way God's word tells me to walk as a believer. And I get excited about that. The manliest
0: men I know go to church. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean it. Like, in every worldly sense. Yeah. Like, if you just strip out, like, who's the John Wickest dude I know? Who's the, the toughest dude I know? Uh-huh. Who's the—they all go to church.
2: Mm. David, I was going to say Paul Bunyan, but—
0: I thought you were going to say— it's me i thought you made like a it's you joke
2: that's a given in every situation okay
0: (laughs) well we're kind of that cliff flip and we'll talk about it
1: that's twice
0: jason kelsey twice this month okay
1: i know man like i'm like over here cringing every time he does it too i'm like sorry i can pick a different deformity if you'd like
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's been 37 years i never noticed i appreciate you pointing it out to me on a daily basis
0: (laughs) or your your uh, junior high bully wrote me an email and asked me to continue (laughs) i don't have any
2: junior high bullies you were the bully. I took him out. He was, the, he, he had
1: extra milk. Money. <laughs> no longer with us. Can, but, moving, moving on. You know, we're, we're talking about like conforming to Christ. Yeah. The manliest man. Right. Like who we should all aspire aspire to be. Like we want to imitate him the way Christ said he imitates, or Paul said he imitates him, and we should imitate Paul. Like those are some manly dudes, man. so like to come in and like be challenged by that, like, I don't know, some of these guys, they follow these influencers on Instagram and TikTok and wherever else. Like, oh, this is a manly dude, and he's jacked, and he does this, and he works out this. And I love
0: all that. Diet. That's great. Does he serve the Lord?
1: But, yeah, is it, what's he doing? Like, th- that's awesome. Like, hey, you want to better yourself in those ways, but don't make that the priority.
0: But are you applying that same discipline to— Your spiritual, grow? yeah, yeah, yeah. growing as a yeah. disciple, right? Yeah. If, if
1: the answer is no, then your priorities are messed up. You Go know, find some manly men at your church.
0: I taught those breakout sessions a few weeks ago, and— One thing only one group said the word, but I loved it. Like, what does it take to be a disciple? Give me some characteristics of a disciple. And one dude was like, discipline. Mm. And I'm like, no one has said that. Like, it's literally in the word disciple. And I was like, Well, yeah, I know, but like it's like everything else in our life. If we apply discipline to it, right? That is the, the solution, right? I always say, like, I believe in two things: the gospel of Jesus Christ and hard work. Well, if you apply hard work to learning, growing, and your knowledge and understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Like, it, it's like everything else. Yeah. So, we, we all make decisions, right? There are no perfect solutions, only compromises, only trade-offs, right? So, what do you value? If you value the gospel above all things, if you value your salvation in Christ, if you value the God who called you into existence and reached you out into the darkness and pulled you out and called brought you to life in Christ— Your life should look like that. The way you spend your time and your money uh, should look like that. That should be uh, reflected in your life. And so being a disciple is not a negotiable element of your Mm -hmm. salvation. Like the sanctification process, you participate in it. Participate in that. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord or strive to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And then spur other men on in that way. Spur other men on in that way. And it's so fulfilling and rich and rewarding. To, to watch other men grow, to, to love the Lord more, or to serve the Lord better, or to lead their families
1: well. Yeah, I equate it to, like, time in the military where you're, like, you know, there you're, you're trying to learn the job of the guy, like, two, um, two jobs, use that word, two jobs ahead of you, and you're trying to teach the guy two jobs below you to do your job. Yeah. And there's an excitement when you find some young guy who's like, oh, man, I really want to be a better Marine. I really want to be a good infantryman. Like, I, I've... I want to learn more. I don't want to just be here doing this. I want to do more. And yeah, there's excitement, man, when you run into somebody who's like, I want to grow in my faith.
0: One of the greatest blessings uh, of being a part of the church is being discipled and discipling others. It's so cool. And so we should all strive to to uh, share the gospel with lost people and then to participate in that beautiful part of discipleship because it is it is a, a blessing. It is a significant blessing and it will enrich your life and you're going to make your church better. And it'll, you know, anyway, I don't know feels like I'm oversimplifying it, but it's, it's just been the coolest thing to be a part of on both ends of it. Mm-hmm. So David, do you have anything to add? You ever been discipled? You ever discipled others? You ever, yeah, I saw something in you a couple years ago or a year ago. I don't know. It's, it went on for a long time, but you got really good at like just telling the truth to the army guys. Like I, you mentioned to me, like you just tell them, you just yeah. like, kind of say it like, yeah, it's because you need the Lord or whatever. And just sort of a boldness to it or just a matter of factness about it and you, you just you aren't making it
2: complicated you just like i was going to tell them the truth and, and you pose that question at the beginning what makes evangelism difficult for people and i think a lot of people get wrapped up around the apologetics aspect of mm-hmm. evangelism and evangelism is just preaching the good news of christ you don't you don't you don't have to be this awesome apologetic guy to evangelize somebody Yeah, to
0: defend the faith faith. for those of you who heard that word and don't know what it means uh, apologetics is your ability to defend uh the faith and and so you're worried you're going to go toe-to-toe with some like black belt atheist
2: which i have many many times
0: Yeah. Ask my sons what someone who doesn't believe what the Bible says is called, by the way. It's a great, (laughs) it's a great joke. Uh, If you know my boys, you can ask them, what do you call somebody who doesn't believe in the Bible? Anyway. So uh, yeah, but, but that, that fear of having to have a complicated answer
2: mm -hmm.
0: keeps people on the bench. But again, all you have to say is, you know, it's a great question. I don't know, but I know how to find out and I'll get back to you.
2: But it's a beautiful excuse to meet with them again and continue to share the gospel.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah. Because being afraid of not knowing the answer is a beautiful excuse never to do it. Mm -hmm. So that's the wrong position, the wrong posture.
1: Well, and the good thing is I read recently on the internet that you can preach the gospel daily and use words if necessary. So you don't have to use words to share the gospel. Okay. According to the internet.
0: I don't spend enough time on there. (laughs) I think I missed that meme.
1: (laughs) That's not even a meme. I forget. It's like some... It's all it's this quote gets dropped all the time all over the place. Uh James Reisner actually brought it up in our
0: uh Was it in his breakout? Our breakout I wasn't in yeah. there.
1: Oh man. I was like he, he looks at me as he says it and he could he told me after, he's like I could see in your face that you wanted to just like fight somebody <laughs> when I said that and I was like, Oh dude, I hate
0: that. Are you talking about like living it out instead of saying people will
1: say, or? Oh, you just live it out. You don't have to tell anyone they'll just see it in you.
0: All right, all right. Like, dude, all right. Come on. Turn down your rage for a second. Turn down your rage for a, I think it's a teachable moment. Because I think a lot of people that we love say that and don't necessarily mean it. I think that we—let's take this time to explain what you—maybe not even what you feel, because I think what you feel is rage. (laughs) So let's say a better thing, because I think I feel how you feel. Yeah. I, for many—well, let me me think about my words. A lot of well-intentioned Christians who are afraid to share the gospel— might say, I can share the gospel and how I live by being an example to others instead of having to say it. Am I saying it right? First of all, am I paraphrasing their idea? Yeah, I would say, yeah. Okay. Now, the gospel, I'm sorry, the Bible does say that the way that we live our life should look different from the world. Yeah, for sure. That we will be known by our conduct, that we will be above reproach, that we will be um, known... As, uh, above reproach or, uh, have a good reputation with the, the unbelieving world. Yeah. Yeah. However, the Bible tells us to go and make disciples. Yep. And to do the work of evangelists and all these things I've already said. So it's more, there is more there to do than simply to live a life well-pleased in the Lord. mm that is a foundational baseline for everyone. Yes, we should live lives well-pleased in the Lord, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, seeking holiness and failing every day, uh, trying to live lives that that uh, demonstrate our salvation in Christ. Yes, you should. Yep. And you should tell people about the greatest thing in your life.
1: And it is necessary to use words when you do it.
2: That is exactly
1: right.
0: Yep. So, um, gently— we are telling you and encouraging you to consider using words to uh, evangelize to lost people and to make disciples. Is that are you okay? <laughs> I'm
1: good. Is there steam coming off your headphones right now? I'm still coming down from the He Gets Us episode, man. I'm like that's what <laughs> happens when you do two back to back.
0: I think uh, a lot. I've met so many wonderful women who say that who are just sweet and kind and don't think that they have it in them to share the gospel. And they're totally wrong. Like, of course you have it in you. You know, it's a great thing and you're sweet and kind and people love you. You have this, yeah, it's like. I've only heard women say that. I've only heard women say, uh, you know, you could just, the way you live your life will be a witness to the gospel in your life. And you don't have to say anything. I've only heard women. Yeah. And they're like high middle-aged ladies. Yeah. And generally they're holding like a tray of cookies and wearing a sweater vest that they knitted with cats on it or something like that. That it might be a broad generalization, but you know what I mean.
1: It might be, maybe. Uh, now, there's a cool story by uh, is it Pendulette? Have I told this on here before? I don't know. Pendulette, known atheist and magician, and magician. Um, but there's a real I don't want to mess up the the overall theme of. I heard it years ago, and it's always stood out to me because he is a hardcore atheist. Uh, but he talked about how some guy rolled into like a VIP meet and greet thing that they had paid for to get like mm-hmm. a few minutes just with him. Yeah. Sorry, hit the hit the stupid hey, chord, man. Listeners, did you hear that? Talk with my hands. That was not David. That was me, as usual. Guilty. Um. So he talks about how this guy came into the VIP like meet and greet time, and he has like a certain amount of minutes with Gillette. He gives him a Bible that he'd written some information in the front. I think like a phone number for him. Just hey, I was, I know how you feel about God. I want to tell you who God is, what Jesus has done for me, and just share that with you during this time. And Gillette said, like he was telling the story, he's like, he's like, you know, a lot of people would make fun of that guy for taking that time to do that. He's like, but how bad would a person, would you have to hate someone to truly believe that this guy died on a cross for your sin, um, that they could, that his, your belief could save you from an eternity in 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 hell, if that, and he's like, if that exists, and then not tell me about it. He's like, so man, he's like, that guy's awesome. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that's pretty cool to have, like, this guy who really despises God and everything about him um, would claim he doesn't believe in God, but actually in real life he just hates him and is, is his enemy.
0: He wants to be God? Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And, and yes, of course, not all unbelievers are going to be as highly uh, involved in their thinking as yeah, that, for certain, of course, for right? But that is, a, that, that is a staunch truth. My friend—I uh, won't say his name because he's not a believer, and I don't know if he listens to this—a um, lost friend of mine— from old life and my current life, um, we talk here and there about these things over the years, and he has said to me many times, "Like I know, I, like I'm not offended when you tell me you're praying for me, because what kind of Christian would you be if you weren't telling me about this? If you believe everything you believe, then what kind of Christian would you be if you weren't telling me these things?" So anyway, yeah, that's always, I've always had a lot of respect for that. Yeah, you looked super into a deep thought.
2: I was just. I was deeply listening to you guys.
0: Oh, okay. Very cool. Uh, I have a speed dating question. Awesome.
1: All right. Awesome. I've been thinking on this for months. So we're going to wrap on the discipleship going to speed
0: dating. A- anything else? Evangelizing, no, think, speed dating, I mean, uh, discipleship.
1: I think it'd be uh, just resources on the evangelism part. There's some really good books called like Life on Mission, um, Turning Everyday Conversations into Gospel Conversations. This is a really good one. I have stuff that I use. If you want some of the stuff on Grace Friends or anything, shoot us an email at the thegodlymanhoodpodcast at gmail.com. I've got, I've got kind of a script even that I've used during the Three Circles class of like, hey, how do you share the gospel with someone in a moment? So um, if those are things you're seeking to learn, and then if you're here in the local area, I'll always push out Norm Kite, our dis- uh, discipleship pastor, and uh, classes he does during the summer that has to do with sharing the gospel um, I know we're planning on teaching another one this year together, so in, in June. So I think June. But anyway, hit us up with an email if you got questions, and then we'll go into speed dating. What's your question? You've been holding on to this one for a while.
0: Uh, well, I just I had a resource too. I wanted to shout out a quick book recommendation. Uh, it's called The Kansas City Love Story: Travis Kelsey, and Taylor Swift for 1995 on Piedmont Publishing. It's uh, anyway. Uh, okay, here's my speed dating question. Uh, you fast for five days, long fast. Much prayer. Supplication. It's all great. Five days, no food. What's the first thing you're going to eat when you're back? Back in action. Mm. Mm.
2: That's a good question.
1: So anywhere, anything, anything any food, just anything. like, like five last days. meal. You
0: haven't eaten in five days. You're going to go for it. I got mine. Go, go ahead.
1: Taco Bell. I knew it. I literally <laughs> knew it.
0: I was going to say it before you said <laughs> it. Pretty
2: crunch. Meat cheese, sour cream, only Mexican pizza,
1: no tomatoes. Some mild sauce on the side. I, That's where kind of my head was going. I like, knew it. So I got, I don't know if I got bit by a tick or what, but I can't really eat ground beef anymore, so burgers are out. I uh, really? Yeah, like it just kills me anymore. Like, you got the Lone Star get, like, Tick? Like, you I don't got, know. You got the Lone Star Tick? I don't know. I got to eat just bison now, which is horrible. It's expensive, F- but it's great. Wow. But.
2: That's terrible.
1: Yeah, It's 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 horrible. Like it's been miserable. So,
2: can you eat venison? Yes, I have a bunch. I will That's why we uh,
1: tore up your uh, the deer you brought us. Yeah, I'll bring you some. Um, but I would go to, in spite of this. Yeah, yeah. I would still go to Taco Bell, cheesy Gordy to crunch, like two or if it's five days. Yeah, whatever. A long time. Quite a few. Three, three to five days. Chicken quesadilla, mm-hmm. quesadilla if you're Napoleon Dynamite's grandma. And then uh, let's see. I feel like I should eat some more. It's been five days. Yeah,
0: or you're gonna regret it. But yeah, I'm gonna definitely regret it. I think you gotta like ease back in. Well, the cool thing
1: is, if you eat Taco Bell this much, it's just cycling right through you. It's not sticking. It's it's
0: like another fast food chain. It's in and out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Was it the Larry Cable guy joke about a Waffle House? You go in and get smothered and covered, and come out, it's scattered and splattered.
0: (laughs) Shout out to Uh, Dan Whitney.
1: I would pretty much eat just the entire Taco Bell venue. Yeah, that's just until I
0: exploded. I'd probably go sushi. Oh, really, um, yeah, it's like rice and fish. I don't know, it feels like pretty low, like risk. What's your favorite kind of sushi? Oh man, I love it all. I get an enormous amount of sushi. Jesse Newman can attest to this. We go get sushi a lot in uh, and uh, like Englewood and crazy. I love it. I love it. I'll get like one of everything, mm. yeah, crush it.
1: I like the uh, unagi. What's that? It's like eel.
0: Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like my favorite one. Yeah, I don't know the Japanese
1: terms for all of them, but I like them all. Yeah. I didn't think I would know. I went to Japan um ate a lot of like just tried it i'll try anything just to try it and i was like dude this is actually awesome i had a very unique sushi experience one time
0: uh in aspen at a restaurant there with like a world-renowned um sushi chef uh called uh, the restaurant was called matsuhitsu and it's like real well known and it was like a like a train of sushi they just kept bringing stuff out of the kitchen and then like kobe beef sliced paper thin raw and just like it was the most magical dinner of my life. And I think about it often. That was like 15 years ago now, 10 years ago. Anyway, uh, any questions from you two?
1: Remember, <laughs> go ahead. What Guinness Book of Worlds records would you break if you could break anyone and pick one?
0: Oh, wow. I, I, uh, I got two that come to mind. I, first of all, there's some like sneaky easy ones that Rob Deerdeck did like 25 of them in a day one time huh. on an episode of Robin Big. Uh, and one of them was like powdered donuts in a minute was so shockingly low. It was like four. Like it wasn't crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, I could <laughs> – you give me some donuts. I will set the world ablaze. But probably the one – I'd be curious what the world record is for juggling Unbroken.
1: I cool. mm. I can't like, juggle anything. I, I'm so.
0: pretty good and steady. And if it's like a uh, good size and weight, I can do it for a long mm. time. Yeah. Like baseballs or something like that. I'm pretty, pretty uh, steady. So, but it's probably like four days with 10 minute bathroom breaks or something. I probably I'd have a hard time. I'll look it up while you guys are answering your question.
2: This is a, we just watched something on YouTube the other day, the girls and I, and it was people breaking world records. And there was two that I found fascinating. And I've seen the one before where the Red Bull guy jumps back down to Earth. Yeah, from the blue. Yeah, that'd be something cool to break. And the other one I saw was the longest. The Squirrel Suit guys. There's one. There's one run, and it's like 14 and a half miles. That's crazy. And they're just you're going downhill, and you're cresting the top of hills by feet, and it's a little over 14 or so miles. But that'd be something I'd like to.
0: I just remembered his name, Felix Baumgartner. Was the guy that jumped out of that plane? Yeah.
2: Set the, the
0: skydive world record for Rebel.
2: Tenley was crying, thinking that he was going to come out of the spaceship and die because he was in space.
0: Oh, yeah. No, that was that was confusing for a lot
1: of us. Yeah. Uh, My Guinness record? Yeah, please. I would want to—it would be like something like track and field related. Like, like I'd want to run like the—I don't know how long hurdles are, like how long they run hurdles. But all I can think of is me, current size, in a cool track and field outfit— running the fastest hurdles in history. Oh, I like, didn't... Like smoking someone by like three seconds. I didn't realize that we had superpowers in this. Oh, planet. I didn't know. Like, I don't know. I'm not superpowers. So I'm just saying, like you said, <laughs> anything I can break, like what would I break? I
0: thought the question was like, what do you have a chance at?
1: I didn't oh, understand this one. I'm just stuff. thinking, like if I could pick anyone, like I'd I'd blow that out of the water. I think it'd be sweet to
0: By the way, I'm going to recant my statement about juggling then. Uh, world record right now for juggling three balls. 13
1: hours... 10
0: minutes now. Is
1: that like no bathroom? Is the guy wearing Depends?
0: Well, a lot of times on the time deals, they'll give you breaks. Ah, that's lame. Yeah. I um, think they
1: should subtract that off the back end then.
0: A dropout is considered to happen the moment the object that you should have caught touched the ground. So it's, yeah, without dropping too, which is pretty interesting. Uh, However, if you go to four balls, which I'm not great at juggling, uh, more than three, uh, three hours and three minutes. So it actually comes down. The four, the five-ball record is actually longer than the four.
1: Really? Yeah. which is why that like, is.
0: Like, by like 40 minutes. So anyway, a Hungarian holds that one. But uh, okay. Uh, David, do you have a question?
2: If you were going to be a teacher, what grade and what subject would you teach? <sighs> 11th do grade. I have to be
1: proficient in the subject? Like yeah. am I teaching it like seriously?
0: Yeah. Okay. 11th grade health. So I'd get fired <laughs> and be able to go do another job for a living.
1: Good answer. I would teach, like, college-level theoretical physics. Okay. Because I just feel like I could make—I wouldn't even have to do a syllabus. Everything I see online with these guys, like on History Channel and stuff, I can't take them—they sound so crazy. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like they're just making stuff up. And I feel like— I, I would
0: I'd a, a professor like that.
1: It would be awesome. Like, I just make stuff up. and be like, whoops, theoretical physis, physics? <laughs> yep, theoretical. Yeah. Theoretical. <laughs> yeah, what's the word? Say <laughs> it. Theoretical. Theoretical. <laughs> That's what I would do. Just because I can't handle those guys when I'm watching TV and they're just like, oh, there's 15 yeah. dimensions. And
0: why do they have to have the craziest hair and like look like they haven't updated their wardrobe since 1988? It, it's like I universal. Find, I
1: find it endearing. You know what's weird? There's a there's a correlation though. That's weird. I just thought of it when you said that. All the theoretical physicists, they look like they could be Democrat senators. Yes. Like Sherrod Brown, Bernie Sanders. All these guys look like they just, their old professor just rolled out of bed. Yeah. That's, is, that, is that correlation or causation? Does does the
2: physics cause them to look like that? It's theoretical. Or they, <laughs> Some, uh, well. <laughs>
0: uh, filter caught it. We're again. Good. Your filter's fine, on fire tonight. Uh, yeah. No, we're good. We're good. Moving ahead. All right. Uh, yeah, that's great. So what was your subject, David? Did you, uh, did you say
2: it? probably do like seventh or eighth grade biology. Mm. I want to watch the kids dissect the frogs. Oh yeah, just yeah good squirm all the time. Good answer.
0: Oh, by the way, uh, I didn't clarify this. The reason why I would get fired for teaching 11th grade health class is because I would say it's some wild thing like "there's two
1: genders." I was gonna say like, there's, <laughs> "there's only boys and girls." <laughs> <Yeah.
0: gasps> it's something real controversial. And yeah. be like, "All right, I'm out. I'm gonna go do a different job."
1: Anyway, oh, I just
0: feel like I didn't want anybody taking that weird, so I wanted to clarify. That's I'm a sure. good clarification. Yeah, yeah, I just I just wanted to make sure my sarcasm was met with honesty. So. Okay. Well, I think we did it. Yeah. Thanks for listening again. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Send us emails. The Godly Manhood Podcast at gmail.com. We have had some questions rolling in. We're talking about doing maybe just a Q&A episode.
1: They're easy theological questions, so they shouldn't take us long at all. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Some good ones, so send them in.
0: Yeah, send them in for sure. And uh, any topics to study or things that you want us to broaden and expand on, we'll do that.
1: Or if you have any off-the-wall goofy questions that you would like to know or take on.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to, yeah, the the uh, I do enjoy when people submit the uh, uh, speed dating questions. Those have been some like Caitlin's have been really good. Yeah, yeah. So hit us up. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Have a good week. Peace. Break the cycle.
1: Break the cycle.